Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. We're going to focus today on growth, growth of a business from inception, uh, early start to entrepreneurship, uh, that growth cycle, and an important element that can really make a difference is getting quality coaching along the way. And looking at what's happening out in the world of coaching, it's really interesting. We're seeing great interest and volume. According to IPEC, 1.5 million searches are made every month by people and companies looking for either life coaches, business coaches, executive coaches. Online coaching obviously has accelerated during the pandemic. It's grown by 57%. So people are seeking the virtual coaching, the benefit of mentorship to help guide their strategies in growing a young business. According to the Human Capital Institute, more than half of companies with a strong coaching culture report higher revenue than their industry peer group. And 89% of business owners who don't have a mentor say they wish they did. So this is an important ingredient. And I'm excited with our guest today who knows all about coaching. And he also knows about successfully starting and growing businesses. Jameson West has been a serial entrepreneur for 25 years. He built Arterian, an MSP that grew from a one-person shop to a staff of 40 through both organic growth and also the acquisition of four other IT services companies. Jameson went on to co-found three software-as-a-service companies, including Timatics, Smileback, and TimeZest, and he currently serves as a fractional CEO for Smileback and chairman of TimeZest. And along the way, he's also enjoying his role as a strategic coach and a consultant for several clients here in the U.S. So, Jamison, excited to jump into this topic about coaching and achieving strategic growth. Welcome to Market Impact Insights. Uh, Thank you very much for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. So, I want to go back and, and look at your career trajectory. You've taken a very entrepreneurial path, obviously founding multiple companies. What inspired you to go in that direction? You know, it's interesting. I, I, I've always kind of questioned what it was. My, my parents weren't particularly entrepreneurial, um, but I, at a very young age, just always kind of had a little bit of a, a hustle in me to, to do something uh, and build something. I, I remember being, I think it was 11 or 12 years old when my best friend and I at the time uh, built a hot dog stand, got a license to uh, go to the little town we went, we were in, the little county fair and what, and what have you. And I think we made more money in those summers than most of the 16, 17 year olds out there getting jobs. And we figured out pretty early that, um, you know, with some creativity, um, we could get out there and hustle and, and, uh, and just do more than, than sitting at a desk nine to five. And, and that got, that, that was just in my bones. I did, I did have an uncle who, uh, who uh, lived, went to the university of Washington, which is where I ended up going uh, in, in big part because he was there. Who, who, who was quite entrepreneurial himself. And I, I always had an endeavor, I'd always endeavored to uh, kind of follow in the, that foot, 
that path, you know, his footsteps. Uh, actually wrote, I think, in my high school yearbook, I'm going to graduate from the University of Washington Business School in June of 1992. And, and I, I nailed that one on the head. So uh, I, I, I was pretty focused early on. Well, two Huskies talking about entrepreneurship. It doesn't get any better than that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now, so you, you had that fire, you had that um, desire. And, and at an early age, love at the classic hot dog stand, making it happen. And, and then um, you actually, as part of this trajectory, you have made this transition. We talked about uh, the managed services provider. You grew that. Uh, you were able to transition from that. And now you're moving into this world of coaching, IT services, MSPs. What has that transition been like for you? Have there been any surprises along the way? You know, there have. I think the biggest surprise for me, and it's a pretty natural evolution, right, to spend a couple of decades in a career. Um, I, I actually, it was, I had several surprises when I went through the, the course of selling that business, I actually wrote a book. Um, that was based on the surprises I had, the emotional side of selling your small business. It was very, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting transition to grow something organically, principally, of course, the acquisitions towards the end for some, some accelerated growth. Um, but, you know, to put your heart and soul into raising something for over 20 years and sell it, it feels like you're selling a part of you, like you're selling a child. Um, I was a little surprised by um, how my identity was connected uh, to that business and, and how much I knew I, how much I cared about my people, but the impact it was going to have to sell and, and what that meant to my employees and my staff, that became a major part of who I sold to, right? But were those considerations. So that, that was a big part kind of pre-transition. I think the second surprise I had was when you, it's natural and obvious, I suppose, but when, when you are kind of giving and participating in your vertical industry and always treat people right and, 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 and put your, put a good foot forward with everybody you can and, and give um, that transition to consulting and speaking. Um, it, it came very, very naturally and comfortably uh, for me, mostly because I had just garnered these relationships that the unexpected rewards, I guess you, you would say from just, from just connecting with people over the course of a couple decades, you, you don't realize the power of the personal brand, you know, it was unintentional personal branding that happened over a couple of years. I still reflect on that all the time. It, it created this natural transition to speaking and coaching. And I just, you know, treasured the opportunity. You know, one of the things is I've talked to a lot of people that go out and provide guidance, advice, and coaching. They say that through the engagement as much as you're imparting your knowledge and you're helping someone else that it actually becomes this learning experience for their, their own self, right? Because um, you actually become much more self-reflective. Have you found that as well when you turn it as kind of a personal journey for yourself? There, I learn, sometimes it comes directly through feedback, just sometimes it's through introspection. Um, but constantly you, it when you're, coaching and talking, you're learning about the tri their trials and tribulations or their their successes and where they get their energy, their power from. And, and that's a, that's a, it, it really does awaken pieces of you. 
uh, that you didn't know were there. And I, I think that's powerful. I, I'm, I'm in a state of perpetual growth. I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of EO. I've been in it for 10 years, Entrepreneurs Organization. For those of you who aren't familiar, it's a perfect match for me as a serial entrepreneur. And it's all about just growing um, all the time. And I think, I think coaches do, we get that fortunate extreme side benefit of when you're coaching, you're learning. And that, that's always the case. So you've obviously uh, yourself in growing your business and also the clients that you work with, you're surrounded by innovation all the time. And so curious for your perspective on what you think are the most important drivers that really make innovation flourish inside of an organization. Yeah, I think there's a couple things. Uh, one is having a creative, visionary, problem solver leader. Um, look at Elon Musk, right? I mean, it's like just having somebody who's who sees problems and just doesn't believe that things are ever impossible. I think that that's a, just like there's got to be a better way. And while I'm doing it, I can do so to profit and employ people and, and make sure that it's a win-win-win and, and nobody loses. I think that I love when people get creative about problem solving and figure out how to do it profitably. I think that, you know, we're, we're in America. That's, that's another massive part. We're just, I, I'm thankful I'm, and, and great, grateful all the time that I was born here in a place that I, that I can do this and that it's encouraged and that uh, entrepreneurialism really can flourish. And finally, for me, uh, culture, um, you know, you, it, having, driving everybody towards a purpose and a cause in your business um, and getting everybody just excited and aligned about why they're there doing the work um, really is what takes that innovative concept. That's the, the innovation comes through that driver, but then the flourish comes through culture and people. And, uh, and I get really excited about that. Have you noticed that, uh, you know, we hear this term all the time, this quote snowball effect where there's this kind of this natural momentum. So, one great idea that gets successfully developed and then somehow that seems to spark another and another. And I mean, have you seen that, that snowball effect in, in action? Absolutely. Um, it's funny. I call it a flywheel. Um, it's same exact thing. It's a, it's that idea that um, when you get momentum towards any one thing and everybody starts jumping on that and, and you give everybody permission to explore their own creativity and, that that gets fun, and that and when an organization, whenever when everybody has the ability to um, to make their own decisions within certain parameters, to 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 utilize their own natural abilities, um, they tend to be stronger. As opposed to like, and, and it's a different methodology than management. You know, corporations used to work fifty years ago, where everybody was a cog in a wheel, right? Um, there's so many organizations that are starting to figure out that it works better when you kind of let people uh, explore their own their own creativity, um, and, and that that happens all the time, especially the leadership team at the leadership level. It's it's pretty interesting to see how culture at leadership level is, is so important. I'm a huge fan of like Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Yeah. Like I go back to that all the time and and teach that a lot. And it, and it's it it's that kind of a culture that all of a sudden creates, you know, amazing things. It really is the attitude and the projection of that, you know, again, at that leadership level, it's amazing how powerful that can be. You use the Elon Musk example, but there's almost this 
this organization-wide confidence that just oozes or emanates from what that senior leader or leadership team projects, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In a, in a strong culture, that's usually the case. And, and yeah, I, I, they, I, I, it's easy to use that example, but there's so many. Uh, we, see some, we see some pretty awesome stuff happening uh, in, in big corporations where you didn't used to look at them and their leader is, is in, the, in the way that we do now, right? So it, it's, it's, it's interesting. And I think that you, if we can start emanating uh, that kind of leadership in smaller businesses, which that, that gets exciting. And there's a lot of people doing great stuff in that world, right? So these new, new, some of these new software companies that are sprouting up and becoming behemoths are just amazing, uh, the creativity and the problems that they're solving and quickly. Uh, technology's really enabled uh, really enabled the speed for these ideas to come to fruition and some of these some of these leaders are doing some amazing things yeah it's all moving so fast and i know when you're consulting with your clients you focus a lot on building a strong foundation this this whole continuum from impact to vision to strategy and then execution can you share a little bit more about that yeah, we th- these four pillars for us are very important. And what we found with, is that there are various systems out there, operating systems for businesses who maybe don't have a business degree. You know, the e-myth entrepreneur who um, who found themselves, worked themselves right into a job <laughs> and own a business, but they really need to understand how to make the business work for them instead of them working for the business. And so there's, there's various systems out there. What we found was that few, if any of them, really took a holistic approach to why they were here in the first place. So that first pillar for us, that impact pillar is a really important one, which is really going to the, to the stakeholders, shareholders, owner of the company and saying, you know, what are, what are your personal goals? What do you want out of life? And how does the business serve you in, in that way? Really getting ab- deep clarity on their vision and their purpose and their values. And then moving into the vision component by, by kind of bleeding that into the leadership team and getting consensus, as opposed to democratizing those types of things uh, through the company or the leadership team in the first place. Because uh, I've frequently seen a leadership team that maybe is made up of some folks that shouldn't be there, um, who didn't naturally align with the culture. They're bringing in a consultant to to uh, start helping or coach to, to help them start designing the culture and vision of the company. And when you start by democratizing it amongst people who may not be a right fit for the business, you get it wrong. And um, stepping back and really working with the owner and talk about their life and legacy and impact um, changes the game and make sure that we have a foundation that's correct. Then that vision building kind of bleeds into the leadership team. Like I said, we begin then asking what's the strategy to ensure that the organization is going to come to you know, meet that vision and then really dig deep into you know, how do we operationalize that strategy? How do we execute? What are our meeting rhythms? How do we set goals? How do we keep ourselves accountable and move forward? Um, when you get all those things aligned and running well, um, nothing can stop you. You know, as you were talking about that continuum, I, the analogy for some reason that came into my mind was this flowing river. And as you work with these different clients, I'll bet it's like each river has a, kind of a common element, which is there's some sort of a, a flow or there's a directional flow of the water. But but the but just the the look and the feel 
or the speed of that current probably is different from client to client. Is that, do you think that's a fair analogy? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it, culture, it's the culture, right? So it's, it, it comes from the leader, it comes from the owner and it, and it, and it bleeds down to the rest of the organization. And at, you could have, um, I, have, I have a coach who makes the example, two clients that he actually has. One of them is principally uh, work from home mothers who, who are very, very carefully um, put their time ahead of the organization and they value uh, family first and all that. And then another client who's, you know, we're on call 24 seven. We answer the, you know, every, every call's answered when it rings and, and it's, it's go, 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 go 24. And it's just extraordinarily different paces. Um, but they have a culture that brings those people to their maximum effectiveness. Right. And they just, they attract and retain people who are want to engage in that type of culture. And therefore, you know, therefore they're aligned and, and they do great things. You couldn't, you could not run any of those companies with people from the other team. Yeah. Really sharp contrast. And you've mentioned culture a number of times and establishing a very distinct and a sustainable culture is really one of the toughest things a founder or CEO can ever face. So as you think about just that challenge of building that distinct and sustainable culture, what do you think are some of the key ingredients to make that happen? Well, we practice at Connextra, um, we believe pretty deeply that while core values are great, um, they are really ideas. Um, and the, the, the challenge with just putting ideas out there is my interpretation, your interpretation, whether it's cultural or religiously or whatever, there's a, there's a, we could interpret an idea in two different ways. I could, I could, I could interpret or define integrity different than you. Um, culture in any group of people is going to happen and it's going to happen accidentally or intentionally. Uh, we believe deeply that you need to be intentional about it. And instead of just defining ideas, get more deep into the actual actions. So we, we work with our clients to set culture guides, which is really typically a list of 25 to 30 specific behavioral expectations of the team that allows them to say, this is, this is how we expect everybody to behave culturally in this world. And there's, you know, I think we have a database of about, you know, 200 or so behaviors and an assessment or an exercise we go through. It's, it's arduous, but it should be because it's important. And, um, and ultimately whittling those down into the most critical things that are intentional behaviors that drive culture within. And that, and once you do that, it's, it's how do you operationalize that? How do you ritualize those behaviors? Make sure you hire against them. Make sure that difficult conversations are attached to those behaviors and ultimately um, help people find another place if, if they aren't aligned to those behaviors. And uh, that, that rhythm has allowed many of our clients to kind of clean up their clean up their organization in a way that allow, that allow them to thrive through new hires that were aligned. Um, a lot of people fear turnover, but the wrong person is more damaging than no person at all in your culture. And uh, 
And we've found that repeatedly, even though there's a lot of fear going in to get that right. Uh, at the end, people always look in the rearview mirror and go, ooh, that was the right thing. Um, and uh, it, it, it can be a little painful to go through, but being intentional about culture and, and being very, very focused on keeping it straight in your organization is just critical to, to your success. You know, that's a great point. And, you know, just having gone through building out some teams and some hiring myself here recently, there's such a hotly contested uh, competitive market for top talent that the temptation of trying to move quickly just to get someone in place. And what you're saying is, you know what, the discipline of better to make the right decision uh, and take a little longer, uh, leave that, that seat open, but find the right person than just jumping to fill it. But that's a, it's a tough thing though, right? To balance that. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. Yeah. Now we had talked a little bit earlier about your own experience in exiting a business, selling a business, and that can be really hard. And, and you wrote the book and you were talking about the emotional side of it. There was an identity component there. Are there some other challenges when you think about a, a founder, an entrepreneur reaching that point of selling? What makes it so hard to kind of move through that and on to, I guess, the next stage in their life? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, a lot of people anticipate the difficulty of, of the transaction in terms in, in more tactical and technical terms. And what was unexpected for me, and, and I think some, some of the largest challenges, and you're right, I did, I did kind of chat about them a little bit, but how and when do you manage how you talk to your people about it? For, as an example, there's many examples uh, in, in, and there's some case studies that, that walked through several of these examples. But this, this was a huge one for me. How, do, how and when do I talk to my people? Because it, such, it, it instills fear oftentimes, right? That's a, that's a big, big change. I've been the leader of a business for two decades, and here I am moving on. And what does that mean for my people? Uh, that was a very challenging moment uh, for me. Um, I think another challenge was um, as soon as you emotionally commit to an outcome, it's very, very difficult to hold the line on in negotiations and not get kind of broken down and, and give on your line <laughs> because you've already emotionally invested in the outcome. Uh, that was a that was a huge challenge uh, for me as well. Um, ultimately, <clears throat> I also think, and I've had numerous conversations with with other entrepreneurs who've sold their business. What is the next chapter look like. So consulting or coaching for me was a, was a pretty natural second step. That's not for everybody. Um, and a lot of people feel lost that sense of identity They're all of a sudden they're floating. They take a little vacation, <laughs> probably well, yeah. well deserved after two decades of not taking one, <laughs> yes. but, um, but then you come back and, and it's like, wow, you know, many entrepreneurs, they really don't have the, I know I'd be the worst employee in the, on the planet. Like, like it's just, that's not going to be natural for most. Um, so all of a sudden your entrepreneurial hats on and you're like, wait a minute, I, maybe I have this little small nest egg or big nest egg or whatever you have from selling. And it's like, now how much do I risk this and, and, and do it all again? Or, or do I stop? And there's a lot of questions out there. Um, you know, and, and I think as, as a serial entrepreneur and not all entrepreneurs are, are 
going over and over and again. Sometimes it's a one and done and they've had one business and that's great. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I can't, I can't help myself. Um, I've got to do it again. And I think there's, I think there's an element for those of us who really lean into the, into entrepreneurialism of risk and, and kind of enjoying, you know, and instead of, instead of hanging out at the casino in Vegas, I'm, I'm starting businesses and betting on myself. Um, and I live in Vegas. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're right in the midst of that. You know, <laughs> I don't gamble. I, you know, I, I did a little bit when I visited and once I moved here, I was like, well, that has to end now. And my, my gambling is uh, on myself. So, yeah, yeah, no, that's so true. And, you know, when you talk about the difference between uh, a one and then done versus uh, doing it again and again, when you do it again and again, of course, it's like, uh, again, the athletic analogy, playing baseball, you're up at bat, 100 at bats, and you know that you're not going to get a hit every at bat. And so part of that, I would think, Jameson, would be just there's a mental aspect, um, some discipline, and then just the confidence to know, you know what, if, if uh, I don't bat 1,000, um, I'm going to have some misses along with the hits, but I'm going to learn from those misses, right, from the strikeouts, uh, and then I apply that. Again, did you find that basically that it's just uh, you got to realize that it's not always going to be perfect and you got to learn and then take that learning and move on? Yeah, you don't you're you're not going to win every time. Um, and every time you lose, it's just a learning opportunity. Um, and you got to and, you know, you take the risk, you, you mitigate the risk as best as you can, um, but you have to take the risk. And there's, you know, anybody who's started several businesses has probably failed in more than they've succeeded. And that's just, that's natural. I mean, what percentage of restaurants go out of business within the first couple of years? It's, it's like 90% or something crazy. Right. So it, but people, you gotta, you gotta keep swinging and, uh, and you gotta mitigate, you gotta mitigate the downside so that you're prepared and have the energy to do it again. And uh, it's a challenge, but, but um, I, I love it. Um, I love it because as long as you're, as long as you're focused on solving problems and you and you're getting that, like you said, that that create creative energy uh, flowing and and surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you, hopefully, um, you'll you'll end up hitting you'll end up hitting a few of them, and and it's a lot of fun when you do. Now, a, a business issue that's been getting a whole lot more attention the last couple of years is data security, privacy. How have you seen that play out in terms of the strategies for your clients or maybe in your own journey uh, as a critical ingredient for uh, long-term success? Yeah, it, you know, so if fortunately, uh, when I sold, which is about, you know, five, six years ago, um, it was talked about, but it was not as the, the criticality of protecting data and, and all of the security stuff that's happened over the last couple of years wasn't as front and center as it is today. Um, in our, in my coaching and what I'm watching happening around the, you know, especially in the IT services space, is the risk of not doing this well is is significant. So first, people are having to protect their own house. I've seen businesses abruptly, even strong businesses that are doing a wonderful job, abruptly go out of business because of some you know, breach or problem from a data and security perspective, whether it was, you know, typically it's, you know, the result of a lawsuit. Um, it, it's just when you're in the IT services space, you're not only responsible for your own, you're responsible for so many, 
so many others. And we, and we are, you know, we see that to some degree within our software companies, although we even think about features that we might implement and, and how they might impact any data that uh, would put us at risk if, if there was some kind of a breach and being very careful about not even putting ourselves in that position. The cost of insurance uh, this year uh, for many of my clients has tripled uh, for cybersecurity. It's just, it's you know, you think about anything going up by 10 or 20 percent being huge and, and 200, 300 percent is, is, is stunning. Um, so it's, it's getting to be difficult to manage and it's absolutely front and center. On the other hand, when these changes occur, it also creates incredible opportunity. So, so uh, many of these IT services firms are getting very, very intelligent about recognizing that if this is affecting them, it's affecting their clients and they're developing and designing lines of businesses that are creating entirely you know, new arms of the business through departments that are focused on purely on the security side or you know, MSSPs, managed security service providers are popping up uh, more and more frequently because of, because of all the things that we're seeing going on in the world these days. That's really interesting. It's like flipping it around. It's like turning a business problem, but then flipping it around and be, it becomes a new potential revenue stream or business opportunity. Interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now you obviously give a lot of advice, you know, you're active in your coaching, but I want to turn that around and ask you, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Um, I think there's a, there's a little, there's a little quote that, uh, that I love vision without execution, hallucination. And that, you know, is there's, there's arguments over who originally said it, Thomas Edison or whomever, you know, kind of my mentor, Arlen Sorensen, uh, that was, that was his mantra. And when, when he first said that to me, I, yeah, I've always been a visionary leader. Um, so that when I think about those four pillars we talked about before, impact and vision came pretty naturally to me. Actually, I, would, I wouldn't even say impact. I maybe had myself buried in the business. Vision came pretty nat- very naturally to me. Strategy, pretty strong. But execution, not so much. So I felt for the longest time like I was just swimming. <laughs> you know, I was just struggling and had all these ideas and didn't really know how to put them together. But you can have all of the vision of the world if you don't put together an organization and the people and the culture to bring it to fruition. You kind of don't. It's it's you know it, it all exists in a vacuum. Um, so, so you need that more holistic approach. Um, I just thought that, that I see so many people with great ideas who can't execute on them and bring them to fruition. And so to me, I, that just always plays in the back of my head. I'm not the best operator, but I know if I can't do it, I need to surround myself with people who can. Um, and that was important advice for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. And as someone who's always looking forward, when you think about the future, what really makes you the most optimistic? You know, I'm such a natural optimist that just about everything. <laughs> I, uh, I'm always looking forward and seeing opportunity. For me right now, it's just the speed of technology, um, the breaking down of barriers, even the acceleration of that that happened through, you know, the pandemic. Um, you talked at the beginning about coaching virtually and, uh, you know, people leveraging technology in new ways. Um, I just... You know, I, I love to travel and I'm still traveling a tremendous amount. And at the end of the day, uh, 
you know, I can touch still, you know, it's multiplied significantly the number of people I can touch and connect with through technology, the, the things I can accomplish in moments that used to take hours. Um, it's it just, that's going to, I don't, I can't even imagine what this is going to look like 10 years from now. And it's, it just gets me excited. Um, you know, I talk about Elon Musk because I'm a bit of a fan. I drive a, I drive a Tesla and it drives me across town. And like, I didn't think that would happen 10 years ago. And here it is happening. Um, and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty stunning. Um, so I'm excited always about just technology driving us forward. Yeah, so much to be optimistic about. And as we start wrapping up the conversation, Javison, any other final advice you have for leaders that are looking to either boost the performance of their teams or achieve that continuous growth that uh, all of them are trying to get? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did, so did you, I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Was there a question there? Yeah, yeah. Just any other final advice? You know, oh, we're, advice. We're, we're trying to elevate team performance. We're trying to get that growth. Any other um, advice you'd have uh, for leaders trying to do that? Certainly. I, I'm sorry I misheard you there. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think that my advice is unless you unless you feel that you have balance in your business, a clear vision for where you want to go, clarity on how you're going to differentiate over the next few years surrounded by strong operators, talk to people, get help. And, and, and I, I, I realized at the beginning of my journey, I was really kind of alone in my business as the leader. And not only through coaching and consulting, but peer groups. Like I talked about EO, there's also a peer group in my MSP industry that I started with, which was HTG back in the day. Um, there are so many people that you can lean into. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Um, so I think I think leaders who are wanting to move and grow, they need to realize that there's resources outside their four walls that can help get them there. And that those resources are not only available for them, but for other leaders and potential leaders on their team. Um, and every now and then I'll see organizations that are just so contained and not connecting with the resources outside their walls man, they're just limiting themselves. There's so much more you can do. Um, and that's not, a, you know, it's not just the coaching and kind of work I do. I, I just believe there's there's so much out there. And my, I was really stunned in, I think it was 2006, 2007, when I really discovered the community of IT service providers and, and my eyes my eyes open. It's, it's been an incredible journey. Yeah, there is always, it seems like a vibrant community uh, that's an opportunity, regardless of what what market you're in, uh, what you're doing, that there is an available community. You don't have to do it alone. And reaching out and wanting to engage and ask questions and get help, you know, for some, maybe that's viewed as a, a vulnerability, but actually, right, uh, it's just a smart thing to do and you're going to benefit from it. Absolutely. I, you know, I think everybody, you know, I think, I think even coaches need coaches. Like it, it, to be able to get outside your head and communicate outside of your day-to-day -day, uh, just exposes you to new ideas and opportunities and options. And I think everybody needs that personally and professionally. There's, a, there's, there's moments where, you know, I, whether it's, whether it's a confidant, a friend, a there, whatever it is, there's, there, you have to be able to get out of your head. And in the business world, sometimes that's hard to do with your family and friends. They not, may not be in that world. So 
getting out and, and finding somebody who can speak that language and understand what you're going through can be, can be very, very helpful. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's all about powerful connections. Well, Jameson, thank you so much for coming and sharing your incredible story, the success you've had and how you're now helping others. And it's really inspiring to all of us in terms of how we can get better. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. And a reminder to please continue to give the gift of feedback, go out, rate and review the podcast, help share with others. You can do that easily on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcast. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.